Okay, recording. Welcome to Impact in Jamaica, Boosting a Nation, a special podcast series that aims to identify and celebrate the work of Jamaicans and friends of Jamaica in the diaspora. I am your host, Sinai Flary, and in this episode, I will be speaking to Sandra Brown Pinnock, who is the founder and director of the award-winning Primal Beauty, which is an Afro hair and beauty business. Thank you for joining me, Sandra. Oh, thank you for inviting me. I am so happy to be on here and just to have this, this talk with you. Uh, thank you so much. Thank you. Firstly, let's um, go all the way back to when you started your business. If you could give us some background to what drove you to get into the hair business and tell us about that whole startup experience. Okay. Um, I always liked fashion and beauty. Even when I was going to school, I always remember a teacher, her name, I, I, oh, I don't know if she's alive or dead, Mrs. Grant. And, you know, she always... She just really picked me out and go, you know, Sandra, you just like to dress up. And I'm like, yeah, I, look, I do like to dress up. And she would, you know, take away lipstick because we have these little lip gloss that we used to take to school, sometimes Vaseline, whatever. And I used to put that on my lips. So I really like to dress up and I like hair and I like anything beautiful. I'm really girly. I'm a really girly, girly person. And uh, so just growing up and I grew up in Jamaica then left Jamaica, came here, and just being here, when I, I, I look at us as a culture, Black people, especially coming from Jamaica, that we love fashion, we know how to dress, we, we really know how to, you know, how to present ourselves, to be honest, and to really look smart. And so my journey, I then trained, I became a nurse, and I was in nursing for about uh, 20 years. And um, while in nursing, my brother also is in America and I used to visit him a lot and buy a lot of hair and, and lots of stuff um, from America. And then I met um, one of his friends in, in America and um, he in, said that he, you know, he was going into this hair business and he was looking for a partner. And I just said it off the cuff, said, oh, if you, if you need a partner, I'm here, you know, I'm ready. And when I came back, to the UK about maybe about nine, 10 months later, my brother contacted me and said, oh, you know, his friend wanted to know if I was quite serious about it. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to do this. And this was 2008. And so that's really how I got into the hair business. And so I started to produce my own hair um, extension. It was just extension and just selling it. And people are buying it because, you know, it was really good quality hair. And that was one of the things that I find that at the time, especially, you know, early 2000 coming up, you know, they were selling hair that wasn't really, when they said it was natural hair, you're paying so much money because hair is, is really cheap now. But at the time it was very expensive, you know. And so with that, I was producing these hair extension and I, I call it Zandis. So it's a spin-off from my name, but it's spelled with an X called Zandis. And really that's how I got into the hair business, to be honest. And that's that's how we took off from there into me owning a, a hairdressing. Um, had a really beautiful hairdresser. This was in, in Streatham and um, run that for about three, four years. 
And when Lace Week, I was the first person to bring Lace Week into the UK. Wow. And uh, yeah, it, that was really, really um, a turning point for me. Um, and then I put the adverts out on the buses and everyone, you know, people are coming from all over the UK to come and have their, their, um, their lace week done. And at the time, you know, there were different types of lace. Now, you know, it's just gone all silly. There were the Swiss lace and then there was a the French lace. The Swiss lace was more delicate and really, really natural. And that was the most expensive one. So I was very excited to know that I was the first person to bring the lace um, system here in this country. And it was about how you fitted it and, you know, just really knowing how to how to fit the hair properly. Now, anybody can fit it, to be honest, and some people fit it really well. And, and, and I must say that it has evolved and is much better than what it, it was before, you know, and, and, and I just think that hair, wigs and everything just keeps on evolving and it's just getting better and better. And it's more, more and more natural. So with that, I, I noticed, to be honest, that, you know, we didn't own a lot when it comes to the hair industry. We bought a lot of stuff and we are, we are consumers, to be honest. We as um, Afro-Caribbean or Africans or black people, we, we are consumers. And I, I, I must say this, that we make everyone else rich because, and if you notice that, you know, where we find all the stores and the shop is always in the community, our community. So I would use the analogy as someone coming into your house and taking all your furnitures, all your clothes, everything, and then stand outside your gate and sell it back to you and you buy it. Mm-hmm. And you don't ask any question. You don't say, this, this belongs to me. This belongs, well, you've been in my house, nothing. You just start buying it. And that's that's the analogy I use. That's, that's what happened to us in our community where we know our products, you know, and, but every other culture come in our community and sell it back to us. And we never question to say, you know, why don't we own these things? And I think that was one of the driving things for me when I said, you know, I need to get into this hair thing because we buy so, we spend so much on ourselves, our hair, our skin, um, hair extension, just everything. But yet um, we don't see anyone like us owning this store. And it's for me, it's about ownership. We should own our own things that we're selling that we can buy from us building our community you know be be example leaving a blueprint for the younger generation to say you know i see you know auntie doing that or doing this and so we that's what and and that is still my drive about what is the blueprint what are what are we leaving for you know the next generation that is coming up the younger generation that is coming up you know what do they see that they can say i want to aspire to that rather than you know just the negative that we always seems to to um get focus on and not seeing the positive because there's a lot of positive things that's going on in our community but we never hear about it we never hear it you know um and anyway in the media um, but anything that is negative, we do hear that's in the media. And so that's one of my passion and my drive when I got into the hair industry. Getting in it was really difficult, to be honest, really, really difficult, because, as you know, that it's controlled by, by Asians. It's really controlled by them. And when you go there, they close ranks. So 
they will ask you all these questions and they will say, oh, you can't buy, you have to have this, you have to have that. But the thing for me, because I, I was in it for so long that I, I, I did build a kind of relationship with a lot of like the, the, the boss that owns the, the, the wholesalers and stuff. So I, I was able to get in that way and was able to buy my products and buy the products. And I used to go to America to bring the products here, but it was working on really expensive. So then I stopped. And so that's how I got in with them. But, you know, I've been in the, the, the wholesalers and, and here, you know, with my, my ears here, they're telling other um, people like ourselves, like myself, by saying to them, no, you can't just come in and buy, you're going you're gonna to give us this and you can't be a sole trader. You have to be a limited company and you're going to buy 10,000 pounds worth, which, which wasn't oh, true. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's which really was insightful because a lot of people don't know about those sort of barriers to entry that stop us from getting into that industry. Yeah. yeah. And so um, that, that's what was really frustrating for me. So sometimes what I used to do, I, I, I did this several times by if I'm there and I hear someone coming and just the first, you know, they want to buy something, even, you know, people from um, France, I've seen this lady from France, she come all the way from France and she was in the old cities, not what they told her. And I just went outside and I just, you know, signaled to her and I said, you know, just let me have your order and what I will do, I'll, I'll buy it. And then you just, you just pay me. And I did that because I just thought that this is really wrong that they're saying this, which is not true, but it's about, you know, when, when you have control and, and as we know, they have control and so they're able to dictate. Mm -hmm. And with what I'm saying that in our community, we shouldn't have that where um, we have another race of people or, you know, we have the Asians that is controlling and controlling the narratives. We should be able to control that narrative because this is our product. This is what they're selling to us. Mm -hmm. And then, although we are, you know, I say we're handing over our money, but yet we're not getting the respect. We're not getting, you know, the, we're not valued. We, yeah. We're not at all. So we're, we, 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 they, they, they don't want to live in our community. They don't want their children to even go to the schools that we go to. Don't even talk about worship. They don't worship. Uh, we worship, you know, nothing. And I always say, how many times do you see a Chinese or an Indian person walk even through a Caribbean shop door, a Caribbean that sells Caribbean food or a Caribbean restaurant. How many times do you see that? If you see it, then you can say, well, you go maybe once or you, you struggle to say, yeah, that's so true. You really, really don't see. If you see, uh, especially when it comes to Asian, if you see an Indian person in, a, in, in especially a Jamaican restaurant, trust me, they are from the Caribbean. They're Indians from the Caribbean. They are not from Pakistan, India, or they're not, they are Caribbean Indian. Mm -hmm. And that is one of the things I always point out. I said, yeah, I said, but you check it out. They are not from Pakistan or they're not from India. They are Bangladesh or wherever. They are Caribbean. So they're somewhere from the, within the Caribbean. And that is why they would go into. So, you know, we, we, that is one of the things that I look into and I'm like, they buy nothing from us. Don't even talk about the Chinese. We go and we, you know, we hand over our money and, you know, they speak in our language and curse us out by doing our nails and, you know, our lashes and all these, these things. So when we look in our community, we really, really don't own anything. But I think that it's changing now that um, 
we are waking up. Uh, and I use that term, quote and unquote, about waking up. That we, we now, there's a lot more of us that is doing a lot of different business and going into the hair industry and looking to do our own thing and looking to do or make our own products. Because as we know, especially when it comes to product, that there is so much chemical in these products and they really don't care what they, the chemicals that they put in us that, you know, is killing us, is giving us fibroid, is giving us, you know, high blood, it's doing so much psoriasis, eczema, so many things, cut your hair off, doing so much from, for, uh, um, to us, but they really don't care. It's all about the money. But I know that our community is now waking up and there is so much research that has gone into, especially, you know, the, the, the chemicals and the, the ingredients that is used in hair, especially for, for black women. Yeah, and, and I, I know you speak so passionately about that because you've got first-hand experience with your own hair journey. And when you went to try and seek help from one of these Afro-Caribbean hair stores, which are not owned by us, but owned by people outside our community. Talk about that experience. What was that like? And what was you going through? What happened? So I, because I, I'm, I'm, I have been an entrepreneur since I, I was about eight because I joined the Girls' Guide when I was eight. And I, I don't know if you know about the Girls' Guide, that they used to have cookies that they sell. Yeah. And so there was there was always, uh, in school, uh, it was a, a, who sells the more cookies? You know, you get your badge. And so selling cookies, oh my God, every year I won, because that was me. I, I just sell cookies to any, anyone that was going by. And in my family, my, my sisters helped me to sell, my brothers helping me to sell. So it's, all, it's always about winning and about, and I, I, I think that's where I got the bug from. Mm -hmm. And so while I was in nursing, um, you know, I always say, and I, I and when I sometimes when I do talks, and I always say, always listen. So if you if you know, never just um, walk around with your head in the sand or your head in the clouds. I always say, listen for information. Look and see if there's any niche. Always, I said, you know, because there is there is business in anything anywhere that you go. There's always and some something that you can make business from. And so when I was in nursing the government at the time, they wanted to, uh, because I was in mental health and they wanted to put um, um, mental health service users who were stable back into the community. So it was called, at the time it was called the supporting people scheme. And the government was really giving away money at the time. And this was in 2009. And so they were giving, giving money. So if you, if you can provide to accommodate um these patients but they're called service now that you know the politically correct things about service users and if you can um develop a home and make sure that, that it was passed by the, the cqc and you were the government would then give you the money to you know to refurbish the place so that you can because it was really about trying to free up beds in the hospital because they didn't have enough beds for mental health service users and so when they had the scheme of support we i and my husband we sold our car <laughs> started taking the bus we, we stopped going out and this is the reason why my mantra is i don't eat mackerel anymore tin i don't eat mackerel we ate tin mackerel for months for a year, oh my God, that was our staple yeah. food. Just the buying the first house we buy was a ten-bedroom house, and this was in Newham, and that's how we started um, 
that business. So that was a business that we started in mental health. And from there, we, um, we move on to have 11 homes, um, which we, and then we were also looking after them in their, if they go back home with their parents, we, um, we also had staff that would go out and support them in their own home. And so within that time, over five, seven years, we had 11 homes, had 200 and I think 250 um, patients or service users on our books, and we were employing 50 staff. Wow. Yeah, so um, we did that. And it was through that that I, I don't know, I, I think that I, I, I got burnt out and I started losing my hair. My hair was falling out, honestly, in trunks. I'd get up and see hair on my pillow. And at the time, I, st- I was really scared that, oh, my God, something's wrong with me. And uh, I swear to God, I was like, I got cancer. I don't know what's wrong with me. So anyway, I went to the doctors, did um, all the tests. Luckily, that was, um, no, you don't have cancer. My doctor just thought I was an hypochondriac. And um, so he just said, maybe it's just stress. And then a friend of mine told me about a product called Aphigy and said, oh, Sandra, just go, Aphigy is really good. That will help you. It will strengthen the hair and help the hair follicles start growing back, blah, blah, blah. So I went into the store and um, when I asked the guy, because as you know, they always have men in all the stores. And I said, um, do you have this product? It's called Aphigy because she gave me a picture of it and I showed him on my phone. I said, do you have this? Um, and he said, no, we don't have, but you can use this. And what he gave to me was, and when I looked at it, it say gel. And it was just for gel for your hair. And I said to him, I said, what will this do? How will, how is this going to help me? Mm. And he said, no, 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 it's good. It's good. It's good. And I said, no, have you read it? I said, you just, I said, you didn't even look, you just picked this up. You said, no, we don't have it, but you can use this. It's good. I said, what is so good? And he just could not answer me. The guy at the till starts speaking to him in his own language. I don't know what he was saying. And I said, yeah, you can always talk in your own language. I said, you know what? I don't even know why we do this. And there were some other people. 22. And there were some other people that was there. Um, black people. And they, and they agreed with me. And they like, and I'm like, I don't know why we do this. I said, because you guys know nothing about our hair. You know nothing about our skin. I said, you just pick this up. I said, it means that because I walk into the store, I shouldn't walk back out without buying something. Mm. And, and that really, really frustrated me. And I said, you know, it's like going to someone to ask them about your own kid to say, oh, can you tell me what, you, what, it, you know, what his likes are and what his dislike is? And I'm like, that is, and, and I think that that was one of the driving force that I'm like, I've got to open a, a, a hair store to sell to my people and making sure that, because I know I've got all the information. I know that I know what works for us, what's good for the hair and all the stuff. And, and I think that was the driving force behind me, open up um, Zandi's Hair and Cosmetics in Lucian Center. But when I opened that store, you know, people are coming in, I must say, our own community, you know, we wear a mixed bag. I always say we're a mixed bag. You know, we have the good, the bad, and the indifference. And um, so we have people are coming in and some people just pass and I will see them coming back, walking past 
and you could see in the bag that they had gone out to the front and you know buy products um from the other shops but um for a month People were just buying stuff and then coming back to me and say, oh, I don't want these. Can I have my money back? And silly, I was just so silly and give them the money back, you know, just refund them. But this lady um, came in the shop and she said that she wanted, and I always remember, she wanted um, cream of nature. She wanted the condition of the shampoo. And I did not have the conditioner. She then said, oh, no, I didn't want to go to the front, but I'm going to, that's because it was in Lucia and the, the Asian shop was at the front. She said, oh, I've got to go out there. And I used to have, all my things were branded. I had the branded Zandis bag. Everything was branded because, you know, I don't know, you've come to the shop and see the shop was just really nice because I just thought, you know, when you look at their shop, it was just piled them high. The shop was dirty, unkept. And I'm like, you know, what I want for us is that when you come in the shop, you're buying from us. You have people that, um, staff that knows about the product and is able, and it's, and it's also the experience of coming in the ambience, just everything about the shop. But then she came back and she saw and she said, Sandra, can you believe it? I went in the shop and as the guy saw the bag, he pulled it from me and said, no, bring it back, take it back to them. And when you come back, I will sell it, sell it to you 50% less. She was really, yeah. And I couldn't believe it. I was so shocked that I sat down and I put this video out. I was so angry. I put this video on and I said, can you believe that this is what is happening? And, and, and a lot of people are sharing the video, but then this guy called Paul, Paul McKenzie, and, you know, Paul and I have been friends until this day from that. Paul saw it and Paul said, no. He came in and he said, I want to do a better video. I'm going to edit it. And I must say that video went viral. I think it had over a million views. People are really angry about that. And so that's how everybody across London and I think across the UK knew, Black person knew about Zandis and knew about my store in Lucian. That's how every, and people were so angry to know that, you know, I was just this one small person, one, the first Black woman in the Southeast of London to own a hair store. And the guy said to her, I will crush her. She won't be there in six months. And that's what the lady came back and told me. That's what he said. We're going to crush her. She will not be there in the next six months. But I stay there for five years. Yeah. yeah that's just the testament of, of, of your incredible business spirit, your incredible customer service, and of course, your great products. And why not? Why can't we buy from you? Why, why do we have to go outside of our community to buy things that are specifically for our hair or for our skin? It doesn't make sense. And you've been doing this such a long time. Things are slightly changing, especially with the yeah. Black Lives Matter protests last year, the emergence of Black, black Pounds. Eh? People are wanting to spend more with Black businesses. I mean, as someone who's done it so long, Sandra, you know, you're award-winning, you're established. What tips would you give to other Black women or women of Jamaican heritage or Caribbean heritage who want to go into the hair and beauty business? I would say, remember that the market, because the market is quite saturated. And we know that when it comes, you know, every, every other, I say, when you look in our community, every corner, I say, there's a hair store. And I'll say 99% of them are, are by, owned by Asians. Um, now we have Pampamzi, which I know that Pampamzi is doing really well. He doesn't do hair, but he do a lot of, you know, the hair product and health and stuff. So he's doing quite well. 
Um, and we have a lot of um, young um, black ladies that, you know, is getting into the hair business. But my, my advice is remember that it's a saturated market. So don't just go in and say, oh, we're going to get, I'm going to get all black people or all Afro-Caribbean or, you know, just to buy from us. You got to know your market. You're going to do, you're going to do your research first. You're going to think about who you're really selling to, because although it's hair and beauty, don't think that everybody's going to come and buy your product. I, I implore anyone that's going, I always say that when I do my talks, that's one of the things that I say, don't think that because you're black and because you're saying I've got a product that everyone is going to rush to buy it. So you're going to know who, what's your demographic, who you're really selling it to, you know, make sure that the brand is good and it's a good brand that you know it. And if someone say, you know, if I use this, what's going to happen? That you can just, it's just rolling off your tongue. So make sure you do your research. Know, know your brand and do your branding. Make sure that you do the branding. And then, you know, I said, it's, it's about getting it out there, making sure that it's reaching the right people. The people that you know is, is going to be your customer for the next 20 years. Because I know that I have got customers that since I started, they've been with me, they're bringing so many people, they tell so many people about the product. So make sure that whatever you're doing, that it's good. No matter what it is, make sure that what you're doing is good and that your customer service. I know that we always go on about customer service, but you know, I say there's customer service and there's customer service because you go in the bank and do you get good customer service? Now you wait for hours and then even before someone, and then they said, oh, you're not through the right department. Oh, you need to go here. You need to go. And if we do that, then, you know, the person said, oh, don't buy from them because the last time I went there and, you know, they didn't know what they were doing, but yet we accept it from other culture. And, and, and I say that to all of us, that we have got to be more tolerant with each other. We can't, you know, all the time say, oh, customer service, because we all... I don't think that you or myself would go into business and not try to give a good service. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Try to make sure that your customer is happy. Sometimes you won't be able to meet that customer needs, but you'll try to make sure you meet the customer needs. No one going to any business to give a bad service. I don't, for me, I don't think so. I don't think that anyone does that and you know a lot of time we always go on about customer service customer service but we have to ask ourselves okay what do we do you know why you think that you didn't deserve or you didn't get a good service because sometimes to be honest when i was in the shop a lot of a lot of time people come in and they they've got an attitude and you're thinking what is wrong what's going on you know you say can i help you no i'll let you know and and it's like Hmm. you know even why responding that way we are not saying can i help you because we are suspicious we're just saying we just offer your help and if you know just say oh thank you i'll let you know but mm -hmm. the way I, we relate to each other sometimes it's so sometimes so really so really aggressive and sometimes the aggression can also be passive that you're thinking oh so you then say oh i'm not gonna bother and then the person will say oh i need some help here and you're thinking Oh, but I just said, so, you know, things like that, those are just examples. So back to the question that you asked me, I am saying that, you know, we're just going to make sure that we know, know the market that you're going in, do your research. Don't ever think that, you know, 
and then go into it blindly. And the reason why I'm saying that, because when I went into Peckham, I did do some research, but I just thought that, you know what? I'm doing really well in Lucian. And I know that I was hoping that the same thing would have flowed, but Peckham was a totally different kettle of fish. And I, I just thought, you know what? I should have really researched it even more, although. And so from my experience, that, that's the reason why I'm saying that. So Peckham just didn't work as our Lucian works because it was, it, as I said, it was told, everything about Peckham was different. The culture of the people, just, just everything about Peckham um, was different. So you've got to make sure, don't, don't assume that you know it, yeah. do your research. Yeah. yeah, fantastic points there. Now, I know in terms of your products, you know, your Jamaican roots and heritage played an important part in terms of sourcing ingredients. Tell us a bit about the different products you have available and some of the ingredients that are in them. Okay, so the products that um, we have available. So as we know, the castor oil, the best castor oil is from Jamaica. And so I do the pure Jamaican castor oil. So I get castor oil from Jamaica like every two months. I, you know, that's where my castor oil is from. And it's not with anything. A lot of castor oil, as we know, is on the market. Now they're not castor oil because I, I buy them and I show you. Yes, I test it, say, look, you can see that this is not castor oil. You know, even the, the smell alone, even if, because we are blended castor oil. When I say blended, it's blended with um, um, essential oil like lavender, or lemongrass or peppermint. That's the only thing that's in there, just the essential oil. But when you get castor oil, you know that it's not castor oil. I don't know what it is, to be honest. Some of them, I really, really don't know what it is. But I remember I was in Scotland um, doing a show and I met this Indian guy and he, he bought some of the castor oil and then he came back to me and he said, oh, how much did you say this was? And I told him and he said, so how are you selling it so cheap? Because there is no way that you can sell this so cheap. And I said, well, it's only a 50 mil um, bottle and it's $8.99. I said, that's not cheap. He said, well, we do castor oil. And I said, he said, and we make it ourselves. I said, what do you mean you make castor oil yourself? And he said, yeah, we just, we have the nuts and we make it ourselves. I thought, no, 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 you can't make castor oil yourself. I said, how do you do it? roast it he said oh you'd have to come to our factory and see and then he was telling me some other stuff that he put in this castor oil i can't even remember the stuff and andrea which was one of my workers that was there we were looking at each other like what mm. so we knew that so the we get the castor oil from jamaica and um i i've you know been to ghana so we source our share butter from ghana and our coconut oil, we also get that from Ghana. And um, I was trying to get coconut oil from Jamaica, but it was it wasn't I wasn't getting as much. So most of the coconut oil, to be honest, comes from Sri Lanka, because that's where we get the best coconut oil from, and that's from Sri Lanka. But most of the all the other products are from the Caribbean and Africa that um, that we use um, to make all our products. Amazing. And I know you've got so many different products, hair products, skin products. You've even got, I think I saw a beard oil for the fellas. Like there's so much going on. It's so amazing. Yeah. We, to you. Yeah. We, we we're yeah. So as, as, as I said, we are hair, we are hair and skin care and brand. 
So we, we care for the skin and we care for the hair. So we have our conditioners, we got our shampoos, we got our body butters, we got our body cream, we got our body lotion, we got the beard oil, we have the hair treatment, um, that sells really well. Um, yeah, so if you visit our website, just get online and visit our website, which is www.primalbeautynatural.co.uk. And you'll see all, you know, we have about, um, I think it's 40, 45 products in the brand. Yeah, amazing stuff, Sandra. Listen, I always love speaking to you because you're one of the people who have opened doors for other black women to get into that industry. Like you said, it's male dominated, it's dominated by people outside of our community. And I'm so proud that you are still there and going strong where you rightfully deserve to be. And thank you for all you've done in terms of opening doors and breaking barriers. Thank you, you're welcome. Uh, um, you know, as I said, I, 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 what I want to do, and this is one of my, my dream, and I know that that is something that I'm working towards with my husband. I really want to, especially for our young boys um, in our community, because, you know, when I, when I speak, I speak to a lot of young people. Just, just last week, I was talking to some young boys, and, you know, they, they are really lost. And, and, and when I say lost, it's about they are just thinking, because, you know, he just said to me, I said, oh, he said he's in college and he's like, I'm just going to college because my mom wants me to go to college. But what, what is there for me? There's nothing for us. No, man, no, man. And I said, no, you can't. I said, no, 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 no. There is something for you. I said, you are going to be a great achiever. You're going to be. And I just wanted to have an academy to really help, especially our young boys. I want to open an academy and just start with maybe about 15 because I really want it to be an academy where it will be on the map and we will be turning out high achievers and you know by sponsoring them to go to university and I don't you know as I my term is university there's university there's you I'm talking about really high caliber and um, university I want to get them into and really help them that they can see that there is that there is hope for young people so that they will also be inspiration for their peers and that is something that i want to do and i and i know i'm going to do that for especially black boys i know people say why black boys but i think that they are more of a disadvantage than our black girls yeah yeah definitely that's very true sandra that sounds amazing and that, that's why i love you so much because you're a giver you're always giving back to the community i salute you my sister Thank you so much for joining me on Impact Jamaica. I haven't been speaking to Sandra Brown Pinnock, who is an award-winning entrepreneur and the founder and director of Primal Beauty, which is an Afro hair and beauty business. Sandra, thank you so much for your time. Welcome. And I wish you all the best. And I can't wait to see what else you, you get up to. Okay. <laughs> you will be the All right, then. Thank you for inviting me. All right, no problem. I'll be in touch and let you know um, when everything's going to go out. I'll send you all the links. Okay, cool. All Thank right. you. Take care, my darling. Take care. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.